Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, the podcast where we gather over a meal to talk about movies and more. Keith here handling posting this week, and as always I'm joined by Ben and Brad. What's up? So we have two movies that are in their second week of release. First up will be Air, the story of how Nike managed to woo Michael Jordan to create the shoe that changed everything. And second, that little juggernaut known as the Super Mario Bros. movie. So first up, Air. Brad, what is this movie about? Uh, summer as always, courtesy of IMDb. Follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. So Ben, why don't you start off? You're the you're the shoe aficionado, I think, of our group. Uh, why don't you start off? It was good. I think it's one of those movies that's probably better than it really has a right to be. And part of that is just because it's it's kind of overpowered as a movie as far as like who the director is and the cast is for what the what the story is. I mean, cynically, I think people were like, okay, this is a big commercial for Nike and Air Jordan, but. There's a small niche, I'm sure Keith will talk about a little bit more, about American ingenuity and American underdog stories and business. And that definitely fits the profile here. But again, it's it's just well done because you have Ben Affleck, who's the director and star. Matt Damon, who's just really good at playing this kind of like, sometimes like kind of schlubby everyman. Charming and like, you know, he he's likable enough. And the rest of the cast, again, is just... Between Viola Davis, Chris Messina, Jason Bateman, you know, we we mentioned uh, you know Chris Tucker, and even a cameo by like Marlon Wayans. Um, it's just better than it needs to be. You know, this was originally going to be straight to Amazon Prime, and there's a version of this where we get some lesser known people playing these folks, and it would have been fine for Amazon Prime, but because it is so star studded and it was so well received in the different film festivals, they put it on. The big screen, I think we were rewarded with it anyway. I enjoyed it. I mean, there's some nitpicks. I'm sure Brady has some nitpicks too. But, um, yeah, it was it was definitely something um, I like to see. And um, it's one that when it gets on Amazon Prime, I'm going to check it out again. But um, I guess we'll go Keith and then we'll go Brad. Ben and I went together and I pretty much laughed through the whole thing. So I wanted, hopefully it wasn't too loud, but I really, really enjoyed this. And you're right, it's the cast is first rate, but also full credit to uh, Alex Comrie. I think this is the first movie he's ever written. And I wouldn't say that the dialogue is to the level of Sorkin, but it's as close as we've come in a long time. I love those, you know, it's not just the ingenuity of it, but the movies about how things are made, the process. And when you can make a thriller that pretty much takes place in, um, you know, office spaces, you've really done something. Um, You're right, it's a little worshipful of Nike, but it created that pioneering spirit that I appreciate, and I really liked it. You mentioned the um, some of the uh, the drama and the conversational pieces, and I think I think some of the best ones, especially with the two bros of Damon and Affleck, <laughs> I think those two conversations are really good, but I think the best of it, and I think the one I laughed the hardest is with Chris Messina as David Falk and Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. Some of the barbs are just hilarious. I mean, it's just hard not to laugh at, man. I didn't know what the rating of the movie was. Until we got to that phone conversation, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this movie's definitely not PG. I was like, so this, it is R rated. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but it's not PG. I, tell, I, get, I guarantee it is you R. It is R rated. Is it R? I figured it was because I was that like, alone. yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, definitely not a PG movie. So I did enjoy this movie. I was a little, I don't know. It just seemed like the first half of the movie maybe was just, I don't know, maybe a little too explanation heavy ish. I think. And also, my I guess my nitpick of the week, and I'll just go ahead and start off with this. <laughs> the first bit of the movie where it was just 80s nostalgia, just over and over between the music and the images and all that. Not great. I'm granted, I'm granted they're trying to 
they're trying to build an atmosphere and build a, a, a time capsule for it, but it got a little heavy. It got a little heavy. It gave me a little Suicide Squad vibe. Not much, but enough where I'm like, ooh, okay. But um, I'll, I'll also interject to say I like that Suicide Squad vibe. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, it's done right, which they they recovered from and made it made it well, made it made it their own. Which Suicide Squad had just never really recovered from. Damon, I think we mentioned this. Sonny Vicar goes to these tournaments, tries to recruit players. He knows it's like a losing bid. He goes gambles, makes money, and or, or loses it, and then just. Goes to the office. He just he's a no thrills kind of guy. I mean, it's just like he's got no personal life. He's got none of that, and um, it's just like <clears throat> until he like finally sees the the stuff about Michael Jordan and just studies the film and all that. It's just there, and I think the second half of the movie is when he really starts starts to pick up when he really starts shining. So um, I think my secret MVP in this though is Jason Bateman as uh, Rob Strausser. I think he brings the heart of the movie. I think he is, especially his scenes when he's a uh, uh, the scenes when he's with Damon, especially um, when they sp- spend the, uh, the the weekend in the office, where just uh, just a story about how he's divor- uh, he's a divorcee and he's bringing his daughter just the shoes, and it's like if 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 he gets fired, it's like he don't know what he would do. I think that's just pretty heartfelt. I think it was a good good thing there, but um, but like you said, it was just all star cast, and all of them had their um, their moments to shine. I really love Chris Tucker in this too. If it wasn't for uh, Bateman, I think Tucker would be my secret MVP. I think just uh, playing Howard White, the smooth talking former player. His best scene is basically just when he's when they have the Jordan family in there, and he's just bonding with him. He's just talking to him and all that. I just, I, 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 I kind of like that part of Tucker, even though his introduction was pretty hilarious too. Ben Keefe, you got any other? <laughs> Thoughts you want to bring up? Um... Yeah, the you mentioned the Jason Bateman speech. I think that was really important. And there's some spoilers in here, but it's also this movie's about history, yes. so it's also in week two, also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, if you want me to, I can throw I can throw up the spoilers. Uh, whatever. Let's. Well, you know what? Go ahead and do it. All right, spoilers. <laughs> turn away. Fly like an eagle. Away now. But you know, the Jason Bateman speech was good. I think because it kind of established some some more stakes because. You know, Brad mentioned what the movie's, movie is about, but, you know, Matt Damon basically is Sonny Vaccaro. You know, it's 1984. Nike is a successful com- company overall for shoes, but their basketball division is failing, and they're looking for a signature guy. So they basically, Sonny Vaccaro has basically convinced everybody to bet on Michael Jordan coming to them. With the flip side being... That and you never really understand the consequences. You're like, okay, it, they're gonna win, right? Because you know, Sonny is a betting guy, so you're like, they're gonna win. He's gonna bet big, and that's all good. You know, you gotta you gotta spend money to make money, kind of thing. But Jason Bateman kind of brings it home, not even with, with the divorcee thing, like how shoes have a connection and make a connection to people, but also like it shows the stakes of the other side. Like if they don't get Michael Jordan, like they're all out of jobs, and it's not just. Jason Bateman's character, Rob Strausser, and Sonny Vaccaro, it's like that entire division will probably be canned, and that kind of makes it more serious. And, of course, the Matt Damon pitch speech to Michael Jordan's family towards the end, I mean, you know, about just, like, making a mark and legacy. And, you know, because this movie is set maybe almost 40 years in the past, you know, Matt Damon's uh, Sonny Vaccaro is actually, like, seeing the future and being like, yo, your, your son will be a champion, and he will... You know, you will reach the highs of highs, but then also like there are going to be some struggles there, and that's part of the journey. Blah blah blah. And those are those were really powerful stuff. But I just enjoy you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have been friends for years. They won an Oscar together for Goodwill Hunting. 
They've been in several movies together. And, you know, just the chemistry between Ben Affleck's Phil Knight and Sonny Vaccaro and Matt Damon, um, it's just enjoyable. You know, they're just having fun. They, they're, they, you can just really see the connection between the two and everyone else, really. Just having fun, I think, is the important part of this movie. You're right. It's definitely kind of a, kind of a guy's club here. They've been friends for a long time, but... Subtly, this is one of Viola Davis's best parts to me. You know, she doesn't really have the impact that something like the Woman King or Fences, but she's all over this movie. And as we talked about off the air, the only ass that Michael Jordan had was that Viola Davis plays mother. And I know Alex Convery took some liberties here. You know, he played up the part that she played not only when Sonny went to North Carolina, but it really gives that that perfect structure. And she also apparently didn't come up with the idea of you know Jordan getting a percentage of the shoe, but to give him that, give for that much more of a part, and to, to and keep Michael Michael off screen to make it all about you know, Dolores was pretty perfect. That, that I really appreciated her. They're all good. We'll talk a little more about the final meeting at the end, but I think Brad, you wanted to have some dad. The not showing of Michael Jordan, it's 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 a twofold good thing. I think for one, anybody you're going to get to play Michael Jordan, it's you're going to compare facial structures and all that, and, and it's not going to live up to it. Two. It also kind of takes away from the Michael Jordan aspect of the movie, if you can actually do that, where it's focusing more on the shoe and Nike in general and and more of the deal than actual Michael Jordan, the player, and all that, which I think is, is twofold. And you mentioned Sonny going down to North Carolina to visit the Paris behind the wish. I, ch- I checked it out, and that's really the only factual thing that does not hold up. Everything else is true for, uh, from the story. So Falk actually talked Michael Jordan and his parents to go to Nike. So convinced uh, convince them to go to Nike to, for the visit. So, But honestly, if they did it that way, it wouldn't quite fit the movie. And also, it would kind of lessen the introduction of Chris Messina's David yeah. Falk. Because I think the, <laughs> the first time you see him, the first interaction he has with Vaccaro, I think it's... Mm-hmm. Not only comedic, but it also sets up the... I don't want to say David Falk as the villain, per se, but it's David Falk who's just like... He's he's going for the best of his client. I mean, like we mentioned, Nike's third place in the basketball division of the shoes. I mean, it's Adidas and it's Converse at the time. You need a little more adversity for your story. Yeah, Chris Messina, I think, was kind of channeling that kind of like crazy agent that <laughs> Jeremy Piven was in Entourage mm-hmm. a little bit, just kind of, or maybe like Tom Cruise's character in Tropic Thunder, just like really brash and loud and, and rude and everything like that. But I thought, you know, I thought he was good again. He's great. Marlon Wayans is only in one scene playing George Raveling, who, you know, was a longtime basketball coach and, just like someone in the basketball culture. Uh, I thought he his performance, just that one scene, was very solid. Uh, I don't really see Marlon Wayne in a lot of dramatic roles, and um, <laughs> it, was, it was good to see him in that. And also, I want to shout out to Matthew Mayer, who is Pete Moore, who's the person who actually designed a Air Jordan for the first time. And I guess, you know, it's mentioned in the credits, too. Unfortunately, like, right before this movie was going to go into production... He passed away, but I'm, I'm glad to see he got some due as well. I don't know. What else? Um, is it ratings time? Well, let me, just, let me just say quickly, you know, this, we're gonna, this brace yourself because I like these movies, but it's a fine line. These movies based on products are not going anywhere. As we talked about, there's a Flamin' Hot coming out, which will be Eva Longoria's directing debut, so I'll watch that. And then Blackberry, which sounds like it's going to be kind of sort of an indie kind of movie with Jay Barakel about the origin of Blackberry. 
and Tetris. Tetris, which these guys told me is terrible, but I liked it. So I don't know. So the, I, I, I may be uh, I may be as a non gamer, I may have appreciated it from a different angle or maybe just maybe just didn't get it. Well, but I liked it. It's so. more the critics yeah. that we We haven't seen it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I messed up. Yeah. You guys you guys told me that critics I didn't real I didn't look at the critic numbers. I watched it last night. I liked it. Yeah. But anyway, these these my point is these movies are not going anywhere, so yeah. get used to it. Yeah, the flaming hot <laughs> is definitely uh, something that was on my uh, on my radar when we talked with Ben and I were discussing it and I was like Flaming hot. He's like, yeah, it's a movie coming out. I was like, what? it's like you. I mean, so, like, I was like, this is you. You have to watch this movie, Brad. Yeah. It's, yeah. If, if you know me, you know I like my spice. Mm-hmm. So uh, it looks like it'll be funny. It probably oh. be. It would probably be a uh, must watch for Brad. Sure. So mm-hmm. okay. So let's do the ratings first. Um, I'll go first. I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Why don't we go, Brad, and then Keith? I'm gonna give it a three and a half as well. I uh, I enjoyed the movie. I. I think mainly it was the when they were in the in the meeting room and they had the big board of players and them going through it. I think that's what started slow, but I think definitely when they when they started getting into Jordan and all that, it's definitely when it picked up. So uh, so it, despite that, it was still a damn good movie. So I'm uh, like I said, I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. So well, I appreciate a good Mel Turpin joke. So I liked I liked the beginning too. I will give it four stars just because this is exactly my kind of movie, and I love how they built it up. As Ben said, it could have been just an Amazon straight-to-video movie, but Affleck knows what he's doing. He's got all his friends, and first-rate movie. So we got two three-and-a-halves and a four, yep. so you want to do box office? Well, I don't, well, why don't we hold the box office yeah. until we talk about Super Mario Brothers, but what are the Rotten Tomatoes? And Rotten Tomatoes, critics and audience. So um, uh, I'll go first. Yeah, Ben, go first on this one, if you don't mind. I think the critics seem to like it a lot. I mean, obviously they pushed it. It was good enough to be pushed from streaming to actual movie theaters. So I'm going to go like 83% for the critics. And audience, I'll, I'll be the same. Because I think there is some sort of like wariness about, you know, Nike like being put on a pencil. So I'll go like 80. So I'll go 83 and 80. All right. Keith? I'm going to go much higher for the critics. I haven't seen anybody carpet on this one. I'll go 96 and fans, 85. I really like that flicking demon. Critics, 92%, 271 reviews. Audience, 98%, 1,000 wow. plus reviews. So a lot of people <laughs> like this. And I, I don't think I've mentioned it, but when I was talking to Ben, I said it. I was like, Michael Jordan was my second favorite player um, when I was growing up behind Cal Ripken. So so this is, this is a movie that definitely is right up my alley with the... With the Nike thing and the Jordan, so I, I think a lot of people are the same. So um, I know a lot of people, basically our age. Um, you keep your. I remember when you were, we were talking about the Last Dance. That's why you didn't watch it right away because you actually. I mean, you don't hate Michael Jordan, but he's not your guy. He's he's not my guy. You know, it's it's. I admire him, but yeah. you know, the, but it's it's the kind of spirit he um, thrives on. He likes to be hated. So if you want to say hate, I respect him, but you know, I, I respect it. I don't. It's not my favorite player. Yeah. You know? So. And then he took it personal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Watch personal. out, Brad. Watch yeah. out. He might yeah. just dunk on yeah. you when you walk out one yeah. day. Keith all of a sudden just walks out the door and, and walks off the porch, and Michael Jordan just jumps over top of him. Bam, down in there. Keith, just plant your feet, remember. Plant your feet, it's a charge. So. I will say he should have hung it up before he came to the Wizards. Oh, yeah, sure. of course. Of course. So. But, uh, okay, so we've got Rotten Tomatoes. We'll I, hold off in the box office. Yeah, I do have critics' consensus, and actually an audience says about this as well. So the... Uh, Critics consensus, uh, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, a fact-based drama that no one will dunk on. Air aims to dr- uh, dramatize events that change the sports world forever and hits almost nothing but net. Okay. And for the audience, also courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, 
Ben Affleck and his terrific cast score with Air, which is much more entertaining than any movie about a long-ago business deal has any right to be. Okay, with Air out of the way, why don't we go ahead and move to our second movie, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie. It is an animated feature from Illumination, the guys who brought you, you know, Sing and the Minions movies, the Spickle Me and whatnot. Before I talk about the cast and a little bit of the origins, um, Brad, you want to tell us what this movie is about? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, a summary courtesy of IMDb. The story of the Super Mario Brothers on their journey through the Mushroom Kingdom. Okay. So obviously this is based on the very famous and lucrative Nintendo video game series. There was a movie 30 years ago, live action, that was made starring Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Hopper. Which was so <laughs> terrible that Nintendo basically was like, we're not going to be in the movie business anymore. So... Between, I think, Detective Pikachu was the first step, uh, like dipping their toe back in the water. And while that didn't make a lot of money for a lot of reasons, it, um, I think at least gave him the confidence to move forward on this. And, you know, the movie, Chris Pratt is Mario, Anna Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen. You know, it, it's a solid cast. And I'm just rolling into my review, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it reminded me how much more like the Disney Pixar movies operate on another level because those movies can really touch all generations. It's meant for kids, but also adults. And, you know, I was watching, I forgot what it's called, but I was watching that short on Disney Plus that just came out with the guy from Up and Doug. And <laughs> there's a scene where the guy is explaining to Doug how much he means to him. And in that, like, 30 seconds, I was emotional. I never really got that here. There were some nice touches for the nostalgia part, growing up playing Nintendo and everything like that. But this is a kid's movie first. And it's designed like that. It's very short. Um, the pace moves at a breakneck speed. But, you know, I liked it good enough. I think Brad and I will talk about maybe where this stands in the overall video game things. But I want to kick it to Keith first, because you're not the gamer. You you were almost like, you kept asking me and Brad about the lore, like you were going to miss something, like, you know, it's this deep the, the, Star the, Wars, mm -hmm. Lost Last of Us thing. Yeah, it's this, like, no, it's just a, two brothers who are Italian-American. Yeah, yeah this, this, this isn't me going into the Fast and Furious, like, what was it, the fifth movie? Seven. It was like, I went into the seventh movie, and I was like, all right, and Brad's like, you don't need to know the story. And I'm like, the first thing I asked a question, Brad's like, oh, yeah, it was in a previous movie. I was like... <laughs> So, yeah, you, you, you're not missing nothing on this. So. Well, you're right. And, and going into it, I accepted that. And I had, like Ben, a good enough time. I will say, I went at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday. It was probably the first showing um, ever here, you know. Well, this is week two, you know, the first showing of the week. And um, there was probably at least 75 people there, maybe 100. And there were a lot of uh, kids, and, kids and fathers in cosplay. I didn't see too many Princess Peaches, but a lot of Mario Brothers hats. And I appreciated that. But, you know, I do like uh, movies that are just squarely aimed at kids. Uh, animated movies. I love, as Brad knows, I love to put some boots. I like Ponyo from Miyazaki. This one, though, even on that level, it was kind of empty for me. Um, the uh, characterization didn't do much. I know they were just putting it out there as a product. They want to get the Mario Brothers out there. But there really wasn't much to the story. Once they got to the Mushroom Kingdom, to me, it kind of fell flat. Until the uh, until the Kongs came in, I was bored for long stretches. And when you have someone as good as Charlie Day, even if you send him to the Darklands, you don't take him out of the movie for like 45 minutes. 
So those are, you know, those are kind of my quibbles, but I liked it probably about the same amount as Ben. The story is uh, basically um, Princess Peach is in another castle. That's, yeah. that's, that's the story. <laughs> I, I did appreciate Actually, that, Luigi. I think we'll say Luigi is the other castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, did appreciate so. that, you know, that, that was that, that they kept the simple storyline of it. I just was hoping for a little bit more. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I agree with you on that. The story is pretty plain. I won't say bland because that's that's that gives like a negative connotation. It's a plain story that's made for kids where it's like, all right, I gotta protect the uh, protect the kingdom from Bowser. Blah blah blah. They go to look for help. Blah blah blah. They somehow end up on carts running down Rainbow Road. Yeah. Blah blah blah. So it's, it's there's as far as the story, yes, there's not much there. But in all honesty, you don't need much for a movie like this even in the video game there's not much story it's you play as a guy who's trying to uh rescue a princess and it seems like he's got bad luck and um i think what this movie did great where the original video games didn't really touch on well was making princess peach a badass so and i think anna taylor joy did a great job voicing that i believe it's just uh just here as a fierce and self-dependent woman i just it's, it's just i think it's a great take on the character and i think uh the voice inflections that taylor joy has are very well done so i'll mention chris pratt as mario if y'all remember when the first trailer dropped and they heard chris pratt talking i mean there was backlash beyond <laughs> backlash because I forget is it if because it was the if, if the if it was the way he said a line sort of based off the Mario character and it just fell flat. I I I forget the exact reasoning why there was a lot of backlash for it, but I think Pratt did okay. He had one scene where he over exaggerated the Mario voice, and then it's just like every every other scene he's like he's speaks in his normal voice. I mean, so I mean, it was it was less noticeable. I think so as the movie went along. So I think it was pretty good. Um, I do love Charlie Day's Luigi, even though, like Keith said, he's kind of... They, kind did, him, of, they did him wrong. They did him wrong, they did, yeah. but, but, but if you know the series, they always do Luigi wrong. It's yeah, like, yeah. Luigi's always second fiddle. Luigi, and, and, and the games that he has by himself, it's like Mario's in the background just lurking. I mean, it's like the first solo game he had where it was, uh, was, was basically Mario is missing. That was the name of the video game, and you play as Luigi. I mean, so, and... There's not much difference there. It's just, I think that's a microcosm of, of the series in general. But I think Charlie Day did a great job voicing the younger, more clumsier brother. Just the wavering voice and the dependence on Mario. I mean, it's just, it's it's well done, I think. But I, my secret MVP, and then I'll pass it on to somebody else, is Jack Black as Bowser. If I didn't know Black was voicing Bowser, I wouldn't have known that was Jack Black. So he did, did an excellent job with that. Plus... I think the Peaches song that he sings is very hilarious. Um, ben, it's a breakout song. That's, yeah. that's up there with um, uh, It Was Agatha All Along. Yeah. Everybody loves that song. Yeah, it's just, I, ben, can, ben can attest, I chuckled a lot as that song was going on. I think Black added, added like a gravelly gravitas to his voice, and I think he also had enough comedic chops to kind of like tone it back when need be, so I, I think that was well done. For you video game nerds, there was backlash about Chris Platt being Mario, and you know, they're like, well, why can't the original Mario guy be Mario? Um, but he does play Mario and Luigi's dad, Charles Martinet, so okay. I mean, it's like, okay, there's a nod to the franchise. And they do a good job with that. There's little Easter eggs throughout. In the pub slash restaurant place they, they, they start off at. You punch st- Out punch Pizzeria? Yeah, yeah, I think it's Punch Out Pizzeria. Yeah, it's like, um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's got it's got little uh, callbacks on there. The um, 
the the former boss of Mario Luigi. He works for a construction company, which is based off a of video game. Yeah. So I mean, there's 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 a lot of little small stuff that's uh, that's very well done. The music, love the music. They did a good job bringing the classic music and maybe even upgrading a little bit. Good job bringing that in there. So. Um, I think the graphics are definitely interesting as well. I think especially the difference in some of the scenes. Like there's the one scene where it's almost like side to side, like a classic side-scrolling Mario mission where they're trying to get to the house and you know, the car breaks down and they're just going through the alleyway. I really like that scene. It definitely had a uh, nostalgic uh, side-scroll feel to it. So Yeah, I think that where it didn't get me emotionally, it hit me with the nostalgia part. Like you were saying, like the video game homages. um you know, the Mario Princess Peach training thing was kind of like Mario Maker. And then, uh, you know, obviously Mario Mario Kart with the Rainbow Road stuff. And maybe a little bit Smash Brothers. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, the the we got, there's some spoilers here, I guess, whatever. It's not big spoilers. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's also, like I said, it's, what you, it's everybody in the world has seen this movie, I think, yeah. if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was good. And, uh, you know, like seeing like Kid Icarus, at NES game, you know, that, that's, that's good. And like... Brad was saying the music, the music, both of like the orchestral versions of the classic Mario Brothers themes and music, but also Illumination is always good about dropping adult music in there, I guess, for the, for the parents and whatnot. So, you know, we get some Beastie Boys and mm -hmm. ACDC, right? Some Thunderstruck. ACDC, I think AHA, Takeoff yeah, was on yeah. theirs. Um, you guys, you know, you, you guys are right. It has a lot of things that I didn't pick up on. Well, one thing I did love was Donkey Kong Country. And I got to say, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong was pretty fantastic. He's been on a bit of a roll lately, and I love, I don't know how Donkey Kong is in the in the, in the video games, but I loved him as kind of the petulant child, man-child who's just this beast. And the battle between Mario and um, Donkey Kong, where Mario, through his, what are they, the tower squares or whatever, takes on, is that what they're called? Sure, we don't really know, actually. Okay, yeah. The, well, whereas Mario takes on all different kinds of shapes and he's learning how to battle. The question block, the question, the question power block, yeah, yeah, yeah. power up blocks, yeah. Anyway, the way they're used in that scene with Donkey Kong, that was a lot of fun. So I really, I really like Seth Rogen. I like yeah. how just like Seth Rogen's laugh is his own punchline. Yeah, exactly. You know, when he laughs, he has a very distinct <laughs> laugh, everyone laughs. So. Nice, nice uh, bo bro bonding moment there between Donkey Kong and Mario. Too, oh, yeah. So. Shared, but, uh, shared, you know, like some shared daddy issues, I guess. Yeah, there. so... But uh, yeah, there's there's not much else. To I mean, it's a good movie, but like you said, the story is basic at best. It's um, the voice acting is great, um, graphics is good. I mean, there's it's a lot of little little cameos and little Easter eggs and stuff. So I thought, like I said, it's, it's a good movie. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a kids movie. It's got a kids movie length. It's like an hour thirty or hour forty. <laughs> Now, if this was two hours, I might have. It, we might have a different story about what my rating would be. I think that was too much. Um, well, why don't we give our ratings and then maybe real quick, Brad and I could talk about how this rates as far as video game movies, and then we'll do the Rotten Tomatoes box office and other stuff. There's not a lot of spoilers. We, I mean, we basically hard. said all the spoilers except for maybe like the ending, which is yeah, yeah, which is a good ending. I mean, yeah, I mean, so. it's what you expect is from yeah. our brothers movie. Why don't we give the ratings, and then Brad and I will just have a brief discussion about where this kind of fits in with the video game movies. But um, Keith, why don't you give the first rating? All right. Well, going into this, not knowing what, um, as much about Mario Bros. as I could have, I was still entertained. I liked it as a, as a kid's movie. Uh, could have had a little bit more to it, but I will give it two and a half stars. 
I'm gonna go three and a half. I, I like the nostalgia. I like the uh, the graphics. The voice acting was good. It's definitely uh, leaps and bounds above the uh, the original. So, so yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. Um, I'll split the difference between you guys. I'll go three. Before we do Rotten Tomatoes, everything like that. Uh, do you have like a hasty? top five or like where does this rank as far as your best video game movies which they're not a lot no they're they're <laughs> not a lot well there are there are enough but there are also probably three quarters to 85 percent of them that are bad to terrible so i'll just go five to one my number five is a it's a bad movie but it's a so bad it's good movie that's street fighter from the night no, from 1994 Poor Raul Julia. He's he's excellent as Zen Bison, but um, you get a cocaine-filled Jean-Claude Van Damme as a <laughs> as an American you, uh, uh, American soldier. You get um, Kylie Minogue, who's uh, playing Cammy, who's supposed to be British, and she's Australian. You have you have a Japanese sumo wrestler, E Honda, who is an uh, um, an Hawaiian cameraman. So there's a lot of like just <laughs> it strays from the video game, but like I said, it's so bad it's good. My opinion. So Street Fighter is my five. Tomb Raider from 2018 is my number four. It's a lot like the game. Uh, um, Alicia Van uh, Alicia Van Kander. Alicia Van Kander is uh, is good in the in the role. I think the story is good, the passable, and I think that's really for a good video game movie. It's got to be. It stays somewhat close to the to the material, and it's got to be a good movie. So my number three is the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie. Same thing. It's got to stay pretty close to the material, which it does, and. Uh, there's some uh, good to great performances in that movie. Is, is it cheesy at parts? Yeah, but I think it works well. Number two is the aforementioned the Super Mario Brothers movie. Same thing. It's a good cast. And I think the only reason it's not number one, which my number one is Sonic the Hedgehog from uh, 2020, is it's a solely animated movie, which you could almost say is cheating a little bit, where like in Sonic, it, it, does a, it, it walks the line of realism and green screen uh, with with the animated side of it and i think that's and it, it carries the same impact plus has a better story i think um in uh, that one so that's my number one the probably omission that is probably noticeable is uh detective pikachu unfortunately i've not seen that movie yet which my my uh my cousin might be yelling at me for that but uh i'm hoping to solve that but it's not in my top five because i've not seen it so I don't, I'm not going to have a five. I'm just going to name five. I'm not going to rank them. And I think you and I would basically trade. I have seen Detective Pikachu. I would put that on there. If I had seen Sonic, I'd probably put that on there as well. But, you know, rounding out the five. Um, the Mortal Kombat movie from two years ago was fine. So uh, Detective Pikachu, Mortal Kombat, I would agree with you. The Tomb Raider movie, that's that was pretty solid. The Super Mario Brothers movie has to be in there. Um, I didn't particularly like the Uncharted thing. I thought that was kind of, I don't know, blah or whatever, but... Oh, what the heck. I'll do I'll do two Mortal Kombats. I'll do... Because I think that's the best of the of the OG lot. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll go Mortal Kombat, both Mortal Kombats, Detective Pikachu, I'll put the Super Mario Bros. movie, and I'll put Tomb Raider. I think honorable mention, I enjoyed the first Tomb Raider movie with uh, Angelina Jolie. I thought that was perfectly fine as well. But, you know, that's, that's my list. But, um, Have you seen the 94 Street Fighter movie? Parts of it. Okay. Um, okay. I probably watched more essays about it than I've had yes. an actual movie. Yeah, so it's, yeah it's, it's so bad it's good. Why don't we go into Rotten Tomatoes? So you heard of what we have. So what do the critics and audience um, say? And I'll let Keith guess first. All right. Well, critics are probably a little, not too, less, less nostalgia. I'll go 
seventy percent. And fans, uh, let's aim high. I'll go ninety-two. All right, Ben. Um, I'll put an asterisk between my guests because I saw what the numbers were last week, so I feel like I have a good beat about the crit score, though Brad said it has changed, so I'm going to go positive. I'm going to go 60 for the critics, and audience, I think there was a big divide between those two. I'm going to go 95 for the audience. Critics, 58%, which originally, I believe, was was it 55? I thought it was 48, so... So yeah, so critics fifty eight percent, two hundred thirty two reviews. Audience ninety six percent, ten thousand plus reviews. So you're right. There's a there's almost a forty forty percent gap there between critics and audience. So which I think at the end of the year, Brad's gonna bring that one up. Yeah, it's very well good. Yeah, like I said, but I I think it's uh, it's that's a necessary gap because I mean let's be honest, this is a kids movie. Um, the adults are brought along, and I think there's enough to entertain the adults. But this is not a cinematic masterpiece. Well, the critics so. too, I think they're just like. How does this match up with Kurosawa as the Seven Samurai? So um, there's also a critics consensus and an audience says for this one as well. So uh, a critics consensus uh, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. It's nowhere as thrilling as turtle tipping your way to 128 lives, which is a little uh, callback to a move in uh, the, the original game. <laughs> uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie is a colorful, albeit thinly plotted animated adventure that has about as many Nintendo's as an attendant, God, it's corny. So that's pretty terrible. Um, as for the audience <laughs> says, it's only one word: wahoo! With the exclamation point. So um, <laughs> there you go. So that was better than the critics. <laughs> yeah. So, so as far as weekend box office numbers, I'm pretty sure y'all could guess. Super Mario Brothers movie is reigning supreme again. Been out two weeks. Both these movies are out two weeks. Yep, uh, and it was number one uh, last week. It's number one again this week. Eighty-five million dollars this week. Good lord. Two-week total of three hundred and forty-seven point <laughs> eight million dollars. Okay, so we're definitely going to get yeah. a whole yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was behind the scenes when I, I initially saw this number. I did not believe it. I had to do a double take and had to. That, but uh, that's worldwide. That's not just domestic. No, this is domestically. Oh, it's 600 and some million dollars worldwide total. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's a big movie. So, this is this is probably going to be up there for highest grossing animated movie of all time. So, do you guys think it's going to get a best animated nomination? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Cuz yeah. the crowd pleaser Co- Co- yeah. Co- compared to what came out last year for the Oscar stuff. Mm-hmm. There was, I could definitely see this getting nominated. There will be better animated movies. Yeah, this is a pretty good one. And yeah. crowd pleaser. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. I definitely see it getting nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, will it win? I don't know, but I think it'll get nominated. So. Well, it's like what you said, Brad. I mean, it's visually stunning. It is like it is a incredibly good looking movie. Like the the graphics and everything like that. So, all right. Well, here's here's where things get interesting. What do you all think finished number two in the box office this week? I'm gonna be optimistic and say air. Ben? I'm going to go Redfield, uh, Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Holt monster movie. The Pope's Exorcist finished number two, $9.2 million for one week total. So number three was John Wick Chapter 4, holding strong with $7.9 million. And the total, which I did not write down the weekly thing for some reason, it was $160.1 million. So it's probably, what, four weeks, five weeks? The 24th. Is when it opened. So yeah, three weeks, probably three, three weeks. Three weeks yeah. yeah. So uh, so one sixty point one million. 
uh, total. Um, number four and five are separated by thousands of dollars. Renfield finished in fourth with $7.8 million, and that's rounding up for a one-week total. And Air finished in fifth with $7.7 .7 million. So it's pretty close between four and five. Uh, Two-week total for Air of $33.3 million. So that's pretty good. Not a bad, not a bad haul for it. So. Yes and no. The budget was 90 but Ooh. again, they, it was supposed <laughs> to be a streaming movie, so maybe this is having like physical box office is gravy. So. I think word of mouth will keep it around a little bit. I, 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 think, I think it'll just, I think it'll hold, I think probably 50, 55 million might be the end total there. So it's, it's lose money, yes, but I think it's, uh, it's, do you think there could be any Oscar buzz for this? I mean, that's maybe. That's... I mean, it's going to go to Amazon Prime. Um, I think Keith and I were discussing this when we were walking out. The problem is, it's like it's early. I yeah, mean, are people going to yeah. forget about this movie when? Um... Yeah, people might forget. Will the uh, will the critics forget? I guess is the big question. So yeah. it's a it's yeah. a it's like what I said and what your critics and has said. It it's a movie that does not deserve to be as good as it is, yeah. but it, by sheer talent and a lot of other things it's just you know I do, I do think it's a it's a, a Viola Davis will be nominated for this I think and she should be a Golden Globes probably Oscars I can see I Golden know. Globes Oscars might be maybe not I, I can see Golden Globes but Christmas Cena for uh, supporting actor that's yeah. what I'm talking about and comedy uh, yeah. you know because Golden yeah. Globes has a comedy yeah, yeah he so. should definitely be in there so but uh, yeah okay. I don't know do we have anything else um, go yeah. see both movies if you can yeah. So, um, put down the hard earned money. That's a, that's a, they're good, both good movies. So, yeah. okay. So, why don't we wrap this episode up? So, Keith, you got plugs. All right. You can reach us at moviesandmealog at gmail.com. Movies and Meal on Twitter. You can just listen, please, on our radio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. All right. So, for this episode of Movies and Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. Spread. Peace.